Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living, White Rock. I'm Reverend Cassandra Ray, your spiritual director. I almost said your, what is it, your captain of the cruise? <laughs> it came out kind of funny today, but uh, we are not on a cruise. We are each individually in our own uh, place and home as we continue to come together in spirit, reaching across land, time, and space so that we can be together. We are an inclusive learning center of practical spirituality, and this is a place for your whole self. May you find refuge here. May you receive spiritual nourishment that uplifts and inspires you, and may we all join together in co-creating a loving, vibrant world that works for all. So as we begin our gathering today, I respectfully acknowledge that I live and work on the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish nations, including Kwikwetlem, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stalo nations. And so now I invite you to begin to shift your attention inward and to begin to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that or to gaze with a soft gaze looking down. Just as you allow everything to slow down into this present moment, as we ground our time together today in truth and spirit, I recognize that there is one divine presence that is the source of everyone and everything, this consciousness of love, this universal intelligence of infinite potential. I know that it is unfolding in through and as everyone that it is the absolute essence of all life. And at the center of this life is such magnificent wholeness, such deep and unconditional love. And so I remember that whatever might be happening, that it is surrounded and enfolded by this divine love and power. I recognize that it is flowing to me and through me as me. And so as I speak, I claim I claim and affirm and know that this time together today, that it is nourishing, that it is uplifting, that it is inspired and filled with light, that it brings whatever is needed for each one here today, that it brings that forward. Whether that is joy or peace, laughter or tears, I celebrate it all knowing that spirit is moving, expressing, unfolding as each one of us and oh, how beautiful it is. I am so grateful for each and every volunteer and practitioner, minister, person, singer, songwriter that comes together to create this space this space where humanity is embraced and divinity is known. Oh, what a beautiful day it is when that magnificence of spirit shines through holding space for all. Knowing that this time is blessed and guided by the one 
I release this prayer into that perfect divine law of mind, which always says yes. I too say yes, and I step forward into its magnificent unfolding, letting it be. And so it is. So today we welcome singer, songwriter, intuitive singer, Theta Phoenix, who creates transformational music. She offers sound healings, which are a journey into spirit. She is passionate about living a love-centered life, about the conscious evolution of humanity and preserving our beautiful earth. And boy, does that energy really radiate through her voice and her crystal bowls and the guitar. She is a talented and transformational singer. I have deep gratitude for the spontaneous songs that she often comes with in our time together. Man, does she express truth as music. I encourage all of you to visit her online at thetaphoenix.com to find out more about her offerings, her sound healings, her albums, her music, so that you can enjoy this angelic voice wherever you are at all day long. Please join me in welcoming Theta Phoenix. Thank you so much. <laughs> and everyone, I invite you to take a deep breath. Divine love, knowing I 
so much theta wow i've been you know floating in the cosmos after that <laughs> now to come back here into my body and into this present moment to be here with you i'm so grateful that you're here with me and that we get to be here together. I miss you. I miss being in person. And I'm just going to allow that to expand my heart into today's message. You know, in this month's Guide for Spiritual Living, the Science of Mind magazine, Reverend Dr. David Alexander describes a vision of a holy, holy uprising for social justice through our spiritual philosophy and faith. Now, it all started with an aha moment he had in his backyard. He was engaged to be married to his now wife, Patience. They had bought a house and they planned on getting married in the backyard. However, it was overrun by blackberry bushes. And so he embarked upon a laborious, backbreaking mission to remove the plants by the roots. Now, if anybody has ever removed blackberry bushes, <laughs> you know what he was up against. Those roots, six to 12 inches deep. And as you can imagine, with all the persistence that those bushes had, he met them with, with a great vigor of his own, which took quite some time and effort. This was not just one afternoon. <laughs> so one day in his exhaustion and frustration, he cried out, why did someone plant these bushes and why did they let it get so bad? It's not my fault. And then he heard the voice of spirit say to him, but it's your yard now. He hadn't planted those berries. He hadn't let it get that bad. But now they were his responsibility. He had a vision of an intimate backyard weeding, I mean wedding, <laughs> and now it was his responsibility to remove the bushes because they were in his yard. So let me pull up a quote here from the magazine. Um, Alexander offers this as an example of the responsibility each 
of us must accept for what's in our yard, individually and in the common soil we share. So our healing work isn't always fair or fun. In fact, our healing work requires us to increase our capacity for discomfort. And I'm and I don't say this willingly. <laughs> I don't want to be uncomfortable. Maybe you can relate to that. But thankfully, we can increase that capacity for our own healing individually and collectively by understanding some fundamental principles about who we are. You see, when you know that you are a sacred expression of the divine, then you know you're lovable, not because of what you do, but because you exist. And keeping your eyes on the love that you are and the love of the divine, you can tend to the parts of yourself that feel unlovable. You can tend to the parts of yourself that you do not personally love. You can begin to offer love to any brokenness inside of you because you know that underneath that pain is the truth of your wholeness. And so each one of us is called to move into the discomfort of any limiting beliefs that we might hold about ourselves, about each other, about the world. We're called to move into any scary feelings we might have. Because as Dr. David said in the article, spirit is always moving in the direction of our wholeness. Hmm. I'm just gonna say that again. Spirit is always moving in the direction of our wholeness. So I wanna read to you another quote here. He goes on to say, that pulse of wholeness will pull at us in relentless ways until we heed the call and find the courage to do the work of claiming our wholeness. Who? Yes. Claiming your wholeness. What would that look and feel like to you? If you claimed your wholeness, what would that look and feel like? What ideas would you let go of? What possibilities might you embrace? And how might your vision of your life or your health or your relationships, how might your vision change? when you claim your wholeness? And what role might you play in the holy, holy uprising for social justice when you claim your own wholeness? 
You see, so many ideas of separation and habits of harm are rooted in race. Ruth King, the author of our book of the month, you can see it, called Mindful of Race, Transforming Racism from the Inside Out. She declares that racial harmony requires us to embrace race without racism. And she teaches that this call for us to cultivate a culture of care that I would say is also based on our individual claiming of our wholeness. She writes, let me just find the page, here we are. To cultivate a culture of care is to be in relationship with humanity with a wise heart. This includes having moral character wrapped in compassion. And what I mean by moral character is that we understand and aspire to live by three principles of social harmony. And the first one is interdependence. This is the practice of remembering that we are part of something larger than our individual selves, a karmic web of humanity, and what we do has impact. What we do has impact. So our philosophy and faith is based on our in interdependence. We call it oneness. Ernest Holmes wrote in The Science of Mind, the unity of good is a revelation of the greatest import for it teaches us that we are one with the whole and one with each other. Unity is the oneness of, of God and humanity. And in moments of real inspiration, we realize to a degree that well, to a degree at least, that God is all. The life in everything and the love through everything is God. The one presence and the one infinite person whom we call God or spirit within this one all live. Interdependence, oneness, one with God, one with each other, so instead of questioning, this too is God? Let us proclaim, this too is God. So whatever is happening in life, know that it is spirit moving us in the direction of our wholeness. Every challenge, every upset, every injustice is an opportunity for us to claim a deeper truth of love of our inherent goodness and of our power to create change. You see, you are not here in this body at this time without power. So Dr. David in The Science of Mind writes, Holmes teaches us what the mind creates, the mind can uncreate. We are then just one thought away from harmony, from peace, from justice. 
We are one thought away from healing these injustices. And step one is to accept full agency as a co-creator in the universe. That one thought will produce a thousand actions to uproot, clear, and heal so our vision can be made real. In other words, what you do has impact. So when we look at this through the lens of Ruth King's principles of social harmony, let us look at the second one where she says, the practice of compassion is a weapon of mass healing. What? A weapon of mass healing. So she defines compassion for us. And here it is. The word compassion literally means to suffer with others, to feel what they feel. And I would add to feel without papancha, which means without adding layers of distress to feel what others feel without adding layers of distress. And she goes on to say that compassion is the wish that everyone without exception is free from pain and suffering and its causes. So we see that compassion is the willingness to be present with the pain and suffering of others, even when you personally don't have that pain and suffering. So Dr. David says in the Science of Mind magazine that there's this link between our oneness and our compassion. So he says, we have to lean in to the radical implication of our oneness. The moment we claim the principle of oneness into our lives is the same moment we can no longer separate ourselves from the pain of the world. Do you feel some resistance when you think about no longer separating yourself from the pain of the world? I mean, do you find yourself asking, like, what does that even mean? I mean, I do. I, I do, right? But feeling resistant is actually a natural part of healing. If you're feeling resistant, you have an opportunity to recognize that you're on a healing path. And the point is to keep going. Don't stop here. You're one thought away from an entirely new experience. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, you have the power to create something new, both within yourself and for yourself and for others, and for the world. This philosophy, this faith is not just for our own personal benefit. It is for our collective transformation. 
And we focus so much on our own personal empowerment because when you are empowered, you are in a much more powerful place for collective healing, right? To take that stand. And guess what? It starts with recognizing this is in my yard and this is my job, even though I didn't put this here. And guess what that's called? Responsibility, taking responsibility. And um, in this book called Life Visioning by Michael Bernard Beckwith, he, I want to read you something of what he says about taking responsibility. He says, moving out of victim consciousness requires taking self-responsibility. Now, self-responsibility can sound heavy, but a great lightness of heart comes when we are self-responsible. Break it down to response-ability. Response-ability meaning we have the ability to respond to whatever arises in our experience, to whatever arises in our own yard. We have the response ability. We have the ability to respond. And our compassion the wish that everyone without exception is free from pain and suffering and its causes moves us to take responsibility. And in Dr. David's article, he says, we have to acknowledge our radical responsibility as co-creators of our current reality. This is where the heavy lifting is right now not getting lost in the past, but accepting responsibility for the right now. Remember him in his backyard, feeling frustrated, tired, and annoyed that he had to pull up all of those blackberry bushes? Everything shifted for him when he realized that even though he hadn't personally planted the bushes or let them get out of hand, that he was now personally responsible for cleaning them up. If he was going to have the yard, the home, the wedding that he wanted to experience, he was going to have to clean them up. And he took it on. He went from resistant to responsible. Now you might be wondering, because at this point in writing my talk, I, I was too. <laughs> well, how do we shift from resistant to responsible in regards to a holy, holy uprising for social justice? How do we do that? Well, this is where we can turn right back to Ruth King's principles of social harmony. So the third one in her book is harmlessness. The practice of non-harming in body, speech, and mind is essential for respect and safety. So we can radically shift our collective consciousness that will result in new conditions. If each one of us 
makes a commitment to practice non-harming in body, speech, and mind. I just want you to think about for a minute what that would be like for you. How might your day change? How might your thought patterns change if you were to practice non-harming in body, speech, and mind? Ruth King invites each one of us to renounce a racial habit of harm. And thankfully she gives us some examples. So I'm reading from her book. These are some examples. For the next week, I will stop judging the media and notice what I feel in the absence of judging. I also want you to, just as a side note here, think about if there's something you're, you're commonly judging, what would your life be like if you, for the next week, made a commitment to not judge what you normally judge? And what would that be like for you? Okay, back to her list. For the next three months, I will only spend money if it is absolutely necessary and notice how it feels to want something without having it. It's a good one. For the next week, I will not offer advice unless I am asked. For the next two hours, I will allow myself to feel the pain in my lower back without hating that it is here. Those are some powerful suggestions that you and I can practice to interrupt habits of harm so that we can practice harmlessness in body, mind, and speech. So you can notice how the quality of your awareness is impacted through such a deliberate intention. And once you feel you have an understanding of your relationship with allowing and letting go, then you can renounce another habit and give that one your mindful attention. So this week, pick one habit of harm that you are ready and willing to renounce and let each other know what you're going to practice. Let somebody else know what you're gonna do. Help hold each other accountable. Lovingly remember our oneness, choose compassion and trade in resistance for responsibility. And Dr. David wraps up his article by saying this, accepting our task to heal the social ills that plague our collective experience is nothing short of accepting our own wholeness, a journey from which there is no turning back. There ought not be any need to shy away from this holy task, this holy task. After all, the only desire of spirit is to reveal itself as wholeness. 
the only desire of spirit is to reveal itself as wholeness, as you. Spirit is revealing itself, expanding itself, expressing itself as you. Your words, your actions make an impact. May you feel the love of spirit, the compassion that naturally comes forth from that, and may you know how loved you are and how powerful it is to recognize your own response ability. And so it is. <laughs>